It's May 27th, 2022, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Kotnor. Our top story today, despite an enormous advantage in numbers, Russian forces attacking the Donbass region of Ukraine have made only incremental progress, a senior U.S. defense official said yesterday. The official went on to say that Russia has deployed 110 Operation Battalion Tactical Groups in Ukraine, the majority of which are in the south, and the remaining groups are split and fighting in the Donbass region. The gains Russia has been able to achieve in the south and east are offset by Ukrainian gains on other battlefields, most notably around Kharkiv. Russia is trying to increase the size of their military in a variety of ways. On Wednesday, the Duma approved a bill that would raise the upper age limit for military personnel to age 65. The new limit also applies to foreign nationals wishing to serve in the army as well. The second way Russia is bolstering its numbers is much more insidious. Residents of Chechnya are being kidnapped to be sent as volunteers to the war against Ukraine. The main intelligence directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine published a list of so-called volunteers who were sent from Chechnya to participate in the war in March through May 2022. It contains the names of 2,425 people, of which about 100 are listed as killed. Italy and Hungary have urged the EU to call explicitly for a ceasefire in Ukraine and peace talks with Russia, putting themselves at odds with other member states determined to take a hard line with Moscow ahead of a summit next week. At a meeting of EU envoys, Italy's ambassador proposed changes to a draft concluding statement, saying it should refer to peace talks and set out an immediate ceasefire as one of the EU's first goals, according to people who attended the meeting. The proposal was backed by Hungary and Cyprus, which are among the states most critical of a new package of EU sanctions against Russia that has been blocked for weeks because of internal divisions. The statement for the May 30th through 31st summit, seen by Reuters and dated May 19th, describes the European Union as unwavering in its commitment to help Ukraine exercise its inherent right to self-defense against the Russian aggression. It does not mention peace talks. Elsewhere, Colombia will choose a new president this Sunday among six candidates in a ballot being held amid a generalized feeling the country is heading in the wrong direction. A Gallup poll conducted earlier this month said 75% of Colombians believe the country is heading in the wrong direction and only 27% approve of conservative president Ivan Duque, who cannot run for re-election. The latest opinion polls suggest that front-running candidate Gustavo Petro could get 40% of the votes, with a 15-point lead over his closest rival. But the senator needs 50% to avoid a runoff election in June against the second-place finisher. Petro, a former rebel with anti-establishment rhetoric, promises to make significant adjustments to the economy, as well as change how Colombia fights drug cartels and other armed groups. His main rival through most of the campaign has been Frederico Gutierrez, a former mayor of Medellin, who is backed by most of Colombia's traditional parties 
and is running on a pro-business economic growth platform. If no candidate receives a majority of the vote, a second round of voting will take place on June 19th. Russia and China on Thursday vetoed a U.S. draft U.N. Security Council resolution to strengthen sanctions on North Korea in a vote the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. called dangerous, disappointing, and likely to fuel Pyongyang's program to develop nuclear-capable missile systems. Quote, for the first time in 15 years, a U.N. Security Council member has used a veto to stop the Council from fulfilling its responsibility to hold the DPRK accountable for its unlawful proliferation, U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Linda Thompson-Greenfield said in a statement. China's ambassador to the U.N. argued new sanctions on North Korea would not stop its weapons program, and Russia's envoy cited the COVID situation in North Korea as a reason for its veto. Turkey's central bank kept its main interest rate unchanged for a fifth month running on Thursday, despite an annual inflation rate of nearly 70%. The bank said it would keep its policy rate constant at 14%, arguing inflation was driven by geopolitical developments and the temporary effects of pricing formations. The decision was in line with President Erdogan's opposition to high borrowing costs in a bid to boost growth, investment, and exports. The Turkish leader insists that high borrowing costs cause inflation, a position that contradicts established economic thinking. Two more journalists have been detained in the Ethiopian capital Addis Ababa, increasing the number of reporters and media workers jailed since last week to 13. The arrests have coincided with the launching of what authorities call a law enforcement operation in the Amhara region, where thousands have been arrested. On Monday, the authorities in Amhara, Ethiopia's second most populous region, said they jailed more than 4,500 individuals. Among them were activists, military and militiamen, and academics. The former head of the Louvre Museum in Paris has been charged in connection with a wide-ranging inquiry into the trafficking of ancient objects from the Middle East. French investigators allege Jean-Luc Martinez facilitated the transfer of the objects to the Louvre Abu Dhabi. Mr. Martinez denies the charges and insists that he acted in good faith. There was no immediate comment from the Paris Louvre, while the Louvre Abu Dhabi said it was unable to comment on the specifics of the case because of the French investigation. In lighter news, Massachusetts lawmakers on Thursday formally exonerated Elizabeth Johnson Jr., clearing her name 329 years after she was convicted of witchcraft in 1693 and sentenced to death at the height of the Salem witch trials. Lawmakers agreed to reconsider her case last year after a curious 8th grade civics class at North Andover Middle School took up her cause and researched the legislative steps needed to clear her name. She was the last convicted witch to remain without a pardon. In a statement, North Andover teacher Carrie Lapierre, whose students championed the legislation, praised the youngsters for taking on the long-overlooked issue of justice for this wrongly convicted woman. That's all the news we have for you this week. 
Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at daily at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief and weekend bonus briefs. This weekend, we're talking with Jenny Town, a senior fellow at the Stimson Center about North Korea's recent missile tests and their COVID-19 outbreak. Thanks to new members like Maxwell from Wisconsin and our longtime members like Ian from Tennessee for making these interviews possible. Go to the DSRnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in our show notes to read from our sources and tune into our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief.